But no one ever tells Jamie of that plan. It seems particularly cruel that they invited him to that press conference kind of last second just to have his heart ripped out. But I, I was here for it. Ah, Billy! <laughs> Two weeks ago, my Dutton Rules co-host Billy Dukes doubled down on Garrett Randall, Jamie's real dad on Yellowstone. Today, he gets the bill. I'm Addison Haker, and this week we'll explore episodes 6 and 7 of season 4 of the Paramount Network show. In the span of two hours, we definitely found out who attacked the Duttons and why, and to learn the important role that the new character Summer Higgins will play moving forward. There was also some business about three characters leaving the bunkhouse that seems to be resolved now, maybe? If you have feelings on Teeter and Laramie, you're going to like this conversation because we do too. Did Lloyd do the right thing? Did John Dutton and the governor do Jamie dirty? Email us at staff at tasteofcountry.com with your opinions, questions, or fan theories. There's just three episodes of season four of Yellowstone remaining, but we're also knocking on the door of 1883, the new Taylor Sheridan drama. For all these reasons, we're doubling down on this podcast with two episodes promised each week until the new year and even more bonus cast interviews and analysis coming very soon. Tap follow on your favorite podcast platform if you've not done so already, then leave a rating and review and let a friend know about the podcast. Archive episodes include interviews with actors that play Beth Dutton, Casey Dutton, and Jimmy. Jimmy had a very big scene in episode 7 that I know Billy Dukes is excited to talk about. Too excited if you ask me. Let's bring him in anyway. You're listening to Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone in 1883 podcast. Hello, Addison! Hello, Billy! Two episodes of Yellowstone behind us, six and episode seven. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as I can tell, nothing really interesting to talk about with episode six. So we'll just... Wait, 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 Billy. Right Billy, no, 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 no. We can't move right on. What are you talking about? There was nothing <laughs> important in six. Hello, the, the topic that you railed on last episode. Do you really not... Do I need to spell it out? Well, it was so long ago. I didn't think we really needed to revisit those old wounds, but a major, a major wound that Garrett, the one and only, he did it. Yeah, yeah. it would certainly appear so. My <laughs> yeah, Yellowstone's my really gonna throw us for a loop if it didn't, and we we're just very clueless. But yeah, that line of dialogue where he's like, "Did I try to kill him?" And I'm like, "Huh? <laughs> You're damn right, I did." Ugh. I know. I well, I even had the whole. Remember Christina? She was my peg for mm -hmm. the one. And then, to be honest, I'm like, well, it you did spell it out essentially. But man, I I was personally a little bummed only because I wanted selfishly, pridefully, Christina to be the one to do it. You know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but in episode seven, we saw a little bit that that Garrett may have some ulterior motives mm -hmm. as he tries to press Christina to get Jamie into the governorship race. He wants Jamie to be governor. What do you think is going on with that? You know, honestly, I I feel like with him, with Jamie and Christina, he's kind of dangling this little, this hook with a worm on it going, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Yeah, I, I think for me, it, it doesn't even boil down to what he's having, asking her to do. I think it's boiling down to 
where I originally thought with him and Jamie, he's trying to mend this relationship, you know, trying to say, I am mm-hmm. your father, the one who should be here, not John. Where ultimately, it, it seems manipulative. I don't know if his actions are right. genuine or if at the end of the day, it seems as, you know, literally the past two episodes of six and seven that I think ultimately he's being selfish and ulterior motives. And I'm, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm getting a little defensive over Jamie of, you know, that eventually he's going to wander away from John who... Well, I, yeah, I feel like Garrett's just the puppet, same kind of puppet master that he's accusing John Dutton of being mm-hmm. at this point. Like yeah. he's difficult to trust. He also, I mean, if you thought I went on a big speech <laughs> and did some chest thumping last <laughs> last episode, I mean, Garrett had a good one about, I have no ulterior motives. <laughs> I just want to build this family for you and that little boy and that woman. <laughs> And then here he is. He's like, oh, so governorship. He'd look pretty good in that seat, wouldn't he? Well, so, Billy, like, ah. let's just take a moment that if if anyone on Yellowstone ever needs an impersonator, it sounds like you, you've you got it. I'm, I'm loving the impersonations <laughs> and the different uh, moods. And yeah, love it. We watched episode seven, which means there are just three episodes left this season. It went so it went so fast. I think uh, I don't know. I think emotionally, I might be ready for it to be done. But um, I kind of I would like to talk, and we're still on, you know, talking episode seven um, of why you know at the end of episode seven, John asks Beth, "Hey, you know, want I want you guys to move live with me?" Um, it, it seems the way that they're talking about it, it seems like it's this rite of passage thing, but I just I just don't get it. It seems a little manipulative of if you're under the same roof, I can kind of steer the narrative or or whatnot. I just do you have what are your thoughts on that? Is there something I'm missing that this is a big thing and I should understand? Yeah. I think it depends on your perspective of what you think of John Dutton. If you're like of the mind that Garrett is, where you think John's pretty manipulative manipulative then I think that's a totally reasonable point of view to take. But they've also been setting up these uh, scenes where John talks about how just lonely he is. Yeah. Now that Casey's gone, Beth's more or less moved out because she's living in that sort of bunker house with Rip. So he's just lonely and wants some family around him. That's pretty reasonable for a man in his 60s to kind of, you know, he's a widow, so... He needs some sort of companionship. I mean, heck, the one single woman who shows up on the ranch, he he gets with within the span of just a few hours. <laughs> true, so, true. Uh, but I have another theory, though, with where that might be headed um, oh. and, and the direction it might be taking. I think with just three episodes left, okay, everything we're seeing um, is kind of building towards this season four conclusion. Like Rip and Beth slowly moving towards their wedding day. Uh, the governorship, uh, slowly, John versus Jamie now, slowly coming to a confrontation somehow. Uh-huh. Um, Casey's off the ranch, but he seems to have some other sort of subplot with that Avery girl who used to work on the ranch. Uh-huh. Like, I think you kind of have to look for clues here on what might be like the big. Um, cumulative scene yeah. at the end of season four or what could be the uh, cliffhanger yeah. from season four into season five because this show has never ended a season peacefully. I mean, right. season one. Season one ended with Dan, uh, some Dan Jenkins drama. Season two ended with Malcolm Beck and the Beck brothers kidnapping Tate and they got him back. And then, of course, season three ended with the big explosions and we didn't know which three characters died or if anybody had died. Like, right. 
we're working towards that. So I think them moving up into the house is like a chess piece. It's physically putting them in the place that they're going to need to be for some sort of scene the, or season closing scene. Yeah, for the cliffhanger to happen. Okay, I can get on board with that. I won't. I won't evaluate it too much. All of that to be said. If I'm writing the show, though, couldn't you see like some beauty between like this Rip and Beth wedding scene, and that's immediately contrasted with something terrible and violent involving Garrett and Jamie and heck, who knows, possibly Marquette Equities. Yes, because this show has nothing but taken my heartstrings two different directions all in one episode. So yes, absolutely, I could I could get on board with that. <laughs> You're never comfortable, and I think that's what yeah. episode six and seven showed us. Episode six was like a true gut punch from start to finish. Mm-hmm. was terrible to watch. It felt like a hangover all week long. And then this episode seven comes along, and it's total retribution, totally satisfying. We got everything we kind of wanted out of it. Well, and kind of speaking on retribution, I would like to talk about when Teeter essentially reconciles with John, but yeah. we're not here necessarily for the reconciliation. Because of the reasoning behind it. I'll let you take this one first, and then I'll come in. Well, if you're just catching up, I mean, Teeter kind of got washed off the ranch when uh, Lloyd and Walker had their big fight. They finally came to blows, and John Dutton decides that no more girls on the ranch. Everybody's fired. Everybody with hair longer than their shoulders is fired. And Teeter's like, well, what the heck did I do? Um, episode 7 comes along, and she appears literally hat in hand, looking as sorry as she's ever looked like, please, sir, can I have some more porridge? Can I and begging for a job. <laughs> but had she a, had the brand. Yeah. It was hard to see why she got fired because she had the brand. Yeah. Why I get heated about it is, you know, here's Teeter who, yes, I, I will say she's part of the, you know, love drama, if you will. Um, but not not <laughs> the dra- <laughs> not the drama between the major explosion of romance gone wrong with Walker, Laramie, and Lloyd. You know, the really common denominator here in all the massive blow up was Laramie. But yet Teeter's the one who has to come, you know, with her tail between her legs going, I'm so sorry, John, and kind of yeah. doing Laramie's dirty work, who Laramie doesn't even have the branding, but Laramie right. kind of gets to ride on her on Teeter's coattails. Yeah, Laramie just kind of shows up and it's not clear if she's back and living and working there or if she's just sort of kicking it for a night. Um, how about that moment, though, where John asks teeter have you had any relationships with men in the bunkhouse and she's like oh well yeah i mean shoot no one said i could no one said i couldn't but i love it's her personality that makes it really is what makes it we love the honesty and it's how she delivered it that it was just it was immaculate I struggle with Laramie as well. I feel you. Like, I, it surprised me to see her again mm-hmm. in the bunkhouse doing the same thing she was doing before. Yes. All over Walker as he's playing guitar. Yes. And then in comes Lloyd again with something hiding under his jacket. You're thinking, oh boy, here we go again. Here we go. Yep. Uh, but maybe that res- maybe that fight, maybe that feud is totally behind the two men. I don't know. Do you think it is? No? No, I don't. And here's why. Because once again, kind of what I was saying of how Yellowstone does a really good job of, you know, pulling you in two different directions with your heartstrings. I think that this, because ultimately we, so we have this, the scene where uh, Lloyd is going to what I would assume is a pawn shop or something where, yeah. yeah. So he goes to a pawn shop and they set up the scene, you know, they kind of glance to the guitars and then they glance down to the guns. 
So the emotional, you know, I'm going, okay, so he's going to buy a gun and then, you know, going to go shoot Walker. Who the heck knows? Um, Obviously, we find out that he ends up buying the guitar. But I think at the end of the day, I don't think this is, I think his kind of um, saltiness towards the whole Laramie Walker thing, I don't think ultimately will go away. Even how he kind of glanced onto the guns. I think there's just a little bit of a nugget still there that... Um, I don't think there's a resolution. I don't think Yellowstone would set that up kind of on a silver platter desk of going, okay, bow tied, we're done here. I, I just, I don't think so. That scene with Lloyd and the belt buckle mm-hmm. and eventually buying the guitar for Walker oh, annoyed me, me because it was, it was gratuitous trickery. Yes. Like the music was all dramatic <laughs> yes. and moody and you saw the guns and you were totally led to believe that yes. he was going to buy a gun. Like that was unfair of the producers of the show to lead us in that direction. It was just it was it was trickery. It was our, this the show's like an abusive relationship sometimes. <laughs> we you all know? might need counseling after this show. <laughs> They're manipulative. Uh, but I will say, kind of to that point of the belt buckle, once you know, at first when I thought he was going to trade it in for a gun, I wasn't so thrilled. But then when he comes back with a guitar, I will say that just that brought my eyes to a little bit of tears of just knowing of, oh you got a little misty I got, I got a little misty for lloyd um, all right just knowing so you know i i'm not in the rodeo world i'm not in the 4-h world i'm not in that world but i do know you get presented with a belt buckle and so I don't know. I I don't know if you caught this or what it said on the belt buckle itself, but it looked like it was from something. And so that to me of knowing like, okay, there's a, you know, that's a big deal to, it's not just one that you go pick up at a store um, that it looked like it had been, you know, won or gifted. And so for him to essentially give that up, that to me was, you know, a really, really big gesture that, like I said, made me a little misty eyed when he pulled out the, the guitar and yeah, just knowing that's, you know, gold to them. I don't think that Lloyd and Walker are going to fight again, but I do think that Lloyd is going to use up his final chance somehow. Like, I hold to the idea that maybe oh. Lloyd's days on the show are numbered. And Walker may not be involved, but he's a bit of a wild card. And, you know, back when I was a kid and growing up, I worked as a dishwasher at a restaurant named the Sundance Cafe. And there was this old timer that worked there as a dishwasher. And anybody who's like 55 years old and is working as a dishwasher has a little bit of a past, uh-huh. you know. And he used to tell me every once in a while, he would just kind of blow up and, and kind of go off. And he used to tell me that he had to just remind people he was crazy every once in a while, just so that they kind of knew and respected him. Uh-huh. I think Lloyd might subscribe to that theory a little bit, but he's only got one bout of crazy left. Well, and they keep, like they have said multiple times, you know, third time is not a charm in this sense of, mm-hmm. you know, Rip said it, John said it, of... Your family, that's why you're still here, but, you know, don't do it again. Like, at some point, yeah, he's going to strike out. Uh, apologies to all the 55-year-old dishwashers I might have just offended. <laughs> but <laughs> there's some truth to that, you know? Usually yep. you've, ma- you've moved up in the kitchen world a little bit by the time you hit your mid-50s, unless there's something a little different going on. That's uh, a- but I'm looking at the belt buckle here, by the way. It says, something American tour 2004. Okay. I can't read the first word. So essentially one one for something or an event that took place, kind of like when you went in a marathon, yeah. you get the, the medal at the end. It's for something. Yeah. Yeah. And he's talked about his rodeo past on the show. Mm-hmm. Him and Jimmy had a number of conversations about how he used to be. But he had some injuries, back injuries, I think, that have 
kind of stopped his um his bucking days. Uh, that's why him and Jimmy kind of grew close a little bit because they shared that in common. Yeah, but Jimmy, by the way, yeah, that was a great all, segue, Billy. You, I know you love Jimmy and his new world <laughs> that he is in, and I cannot wait for you to talk about it. Or can I? Staff at tasteofcountry.com is the email address if you want to weigh in on Lloyd or any of these issues. Um, Jimmy, he has leveled up in some pretty big ways over on that 4-6's ranch, hasn't he? Oh, very much so. Even aesthetically, he's leveled up. Yes. Last time we saw him, he was like scarfing down that gravy train of a meal. Like he had a baseball cap on. He could barely walk. Not and now anymore. the show opens up. Yeah, well, first of all, that was a special version of Tim McGraw's uh, The Cowboy and Me that opened up the show. Mm-hmm. That was a special Yellowstone version of that song, which I thought was super cool. But it showed Jimmy like he's got a clean, proper a Four Sixes Ranch uniform. Mm-hmm. He's got his cowboy hat back. He's walking with a little bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. He's sweeping veterinarians off her feet and getting asked out on dates mm-hmm. with a girl named Emily. And he's also... Pleasuring horses. Yep. I, I knew that you weren't going to be able to finish that statement without noting that scene, which I will say I was not prepared for. I was just not prepared for. <laughs> Keep me on the my toes. The thing about that scene is, like, they, that's you couldn't have faked that. Like, you knew watching it that Jefferson White, the actor, had to have <laughs> literally done that. Like, there was no faking that at all, right? I mean, d- I would be scarred. Well, and to that point, you had the opportunity to interview him. Yeah. I'm assuming that surely I, you asked him about it. I would. I mean, you can't oh, not yeah. ask him about it. It was a 30 minute interview, and somehow I made it to like minute 27 before being like, all right, listen, Jefferson, my man, how many takes did it take yeah. you to get that right? Um, yeah. And that interview with Jefferson White is. Uh, You can listen to it. Mm -hmm. We just dropped that a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. He said it took one take. (laughs) He was very concerned about the horse's safety. He explained the breeding process and why they do. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it was. Uh, But then he he, he did. (laughs) The the problem with this conversation here, Addison, is that we work together. And I feel like I'm just a a word or two away from a human resources phone call. (laughs) But he he does end it with some sort of crass language. And it's a similar line, like he says, during that scene. But it was real. Like, what you saw Jimmy do, Jefferson White did. But he only had to do it once, not 16 times like they insinuate on the show. Well, I'm going to give him props to that. I don't think I could not have kept a straight face. And he does. Yeah. And then he sweeps up the veterinarian. What a lead-in. And then he gets the date. And then he gets the date. (laughs) But listen to that episode with Jefferson White. He was a great interview. They have their own official podcast now, and it's it's recorded interviews with some of the show's stars, but you can find that in the archives. What's next? I'm personally excited to see, and I this was actually in episode seven, but the Summer and Beth relationship. And I said this on our last episode, but they are one in the same. You know, they're different, but... you know, pursuing two different things, but they are the same person. And, you know, pro and con, I think in episode seven, where pretty much Beth is trying to lure her saying, hey, you know, you're coming after all these fur companies, you know, these boutiques that are selling fur, but that's actually not your issue. You know, the, the bigger issue is not the boutiques, not who's selling the stuff, it's who's creating it, who's, you know, 
Yeah, she's going after low-hanging fruit, I yes, think is what she was, accuses her of, essentially. Yes, low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And I think them being very prideful and stubborn and everything that both of those characters are, I think them teaming up is actually a very smart idea. Um, do I think they're still going to butt heads? Yes, but I think we're going to see kind of this, um, you know, really unique relationship and powerhouse come out of them working together. And I think that was really, really smart on Beth's behalf. It is sort of all funneling into some sort of climatic scene. Mm -hmm. But I am happy to see that Piper Perabo, the actor, is going to stick around. It seems like for several episodes, at least through the end of the season, I would think. Yeah. Like this is a long running plot arc now, which means um, she could be back at the Dutton Ranch. Um, There could be fights with her and Beth. I'm excited to see where that goes as well, because that does seem to be the only route to stop the construction mm-hmm. at the airport. Uh, the immediate route, anyway. I mean, the other route, obviously, is if John ends up getting elected as governor, he can kind of shut the whole thing down. But that seems a little bit fraught. I'm not totally sure he can just shut it down if he's elected governor. I know that you, I mean, we can speak on that. I think you're a little bit more for it than I am. I was honestly, that scene, that scene made me a little bit sad of... Man, if he's trying to mend anything with Jamie, and I know his thought process behind it was run so he can preserve where Jamie would, you know, squash and destroy what they've created. But man, I'm like, as a father, if you're trying to create any relationship, you know, not burn every single bridge, I think I think he's burning every single bridge. It's funny how I've gone from like pro Garrett, pro Jamie to like kill him in like the span of just a few days like i'm i am so anti jamie now like when he hugged garrett after that and cried he's like oh paul you know they had like that sweet sort of moment you're anti like, oh yeah i am done with this dude now yeah oh yeah oh. like i just i totally flipped man that was, that was my i broke he broke me like a horse interesting i and that did the opposite for me Really? Okay. Why? <laughs> this, you like Jamie more now? This is why we're on this podcast, Billy, together. <laughs> I think because I'm seeing a little bit more human side and not the businessman uh, evil. I'm just, he's being played with more, but I think I like seeing that he's a little bit more human. The best scene, I think, of the season for me, and this must have been the worst scene <laughs> of the season for you, was when the governor is getting to announce who she's going to uh, endorse as the next governor. Mm -hmm. And Jamie thinks it's him, and Mm -hmm. he straightens his tie, and he's got this (laughs) smug look on his face. I just would like everyone to know Billy is saying all this with a smile right now. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) She says it's John Dutton. And Jamie's like... (laughs) (laughs) Ripped the rug right out from underneath him. See, I I felt bad for him. Let's back up on that a little bit, because that was a key part of episode seven, if you didn't watch, is that the governor originally was going to endorse Jamie. Uh, She came to John to kind of ask for his permission to do it, and John says, hell no, and he ends up saying that he'll run as long as uh, Jamie doesn't endorse, it doesn't get the governor's endorsement. Mm -hmm. But no one ever tells Jamie of that plan. It seems particularly cruel that they invited them to that press conference kind of last second just to have his heart ripped out but I, I was here for it ah billy <laughs> guys i'm raising my hands going exactly i'm sweating <laughs> and then and then beth's right there too right in his face of this course. is just the start buster 
Yeah. Well, and I will say that part made me laugh of like, of course, they already have a very um, trivial uh, relationship. Have you noticed that Beth uses the word buddy an awful lot? She's like, hey, buddy. (laughs) No, I didn't. But now, thank you, Billy. That is all I will hear. Yeah. No, she said it to Carter, too, when he's like uh, uh, trying to give her flowers during episode seven. He's trying to apologize. She's like, hey, buddy, you're one of those kind of guys, buddy, or something like that. Like, that's that's, that's a Bethism. Yeah. Well, the character that I... You didn't ask me this question, but I'm just willingly giving this to you. The actress that... Or the... Sorry, the character that I don't love. I do like the actress, Kelsey. Uh, but Monica is just really starting to get underneath my skin. Monica in episode six got really <laughs> jealous of Casey. Yes. And I could not... Right, so this is funny. I could not figure out why she got so quickly jealous. Until I watched the episode a second time, sitting next to my wife. <laughs> and as soon as, like, Avery who is the uh, the woman that Monica uh-huh. is jealous of, as soon as Avery and Casey have that interaction, which on paper is not much of an interaction. It's like, oh, there you are. Where have you been? What happened? Uh, my wife's like, ooh, she's got a crush on him. Or she's like, oh, Monica should be jealous of that. I'm like, what, what did you see? I didn't <laughs> see that at all. Well, I definitely did see. So I would agree with your wife. I did see that. And part of me was like, girl, you better back off. But from Casey's perspective... He didn't necessarily, like, he wasn't the one kind of, you know, no. being the flirt. It was her. So that's why I think, for me personally, Monica kind of bugged me in that scene. Because here's Casey going, I will buy a house. I will move out of the Dutton Ranch. Like, he is doing all these, like, physical, you know, gestures of saying, like, this is how I much I love you. That I'm willing to step away from things that I might really love. Um, or be at them less because I love you and I want what's best for you and my son. All of that literally just happened. And then, you know, within a switch, you know, a quick little switch, now she's jealous where I'm going, he literally just did all of this. She's jealous, but as it turns out, she's also right because no, Avery's is. professing her love yeah. to Casey at the end of episode seven. Yeah, no, I mean, she's Which right. Was... Her indications and her, that discernment there. Oh, no, she's right. But I just, yeah, man, I'm like, girl, uh, I don't know. I like Monica quite a bit. Uh, I think she does a lot of interesting things. I don't know where this plot line with Casey and Avery is headed. Like, I don't see Casey cheating on Monica I sure, oh, at all. But like I said, I, I, I feel not. like this is one of those things. Like, it's part of the soup, and everything is kind of funneling towards this climax of sorts. What role does Avery have in that adventure? Um, I'm, I'm really curious to find out, because right now I, I, can, I cannot even imagine it. Well, I can't either. And I've told you this before. Casey's really grown on me over the past episode, so... If it does happen, I I think I'm going to quit. <laughs> Casey's a pretty handsome actor as well. Does that hurt or help how you feel about oh, it helps. his acting? It helps. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm not anti-Laramie. That's fair. Because <laughs> Laramie... Touche. She brings some other things to the table. Touche. Um, work out for. Uh, before we get to the Q&A, can we quick touch on 1883? Because that's coming in like just a couple of days. Yes. The trailer looks intense. It looks much bloodier, much more violent, yes. and much more provocative than Yellowstone. Like, 
I can't help but wonder if there's any sort of soft, sort of non-violent moments in this show. No, it it seems like it's going to be pretty pretty heavy, and I may not. You might have to check in and make sure I'm breathing. Well, Tim also like in the trailer, like he drops a few f bombs, which was really strange. Like we both have country music backgrounds, so we're we're used to like mm-hmm. this family friendly, mm-hmm. aw shucks sort of interview from artists. Like I've never heard Tim McGraw Mm-mm. swear. Well, even or any artist, really. Well, Faith Hill, that's who I'm going to be interested to see. She seems pretty, I mean, scruffy or rugged. I guess potentially those are two good words to describe, at least in the trailer, how um, she is portrayed. So, what strikes me about Faith Hill that I find really interesting is how she's embraced sort of this character. Because Faith, she's always been known for like her glamour mm-hmm. and her grace mm-hmm. and her beauty. And she's got this voice and she's the the woman in the breathe music video. Mm-hmm. And she is like, but this character she's playing, it looks older, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that I think maybe any country singer has tried to run away from. Yeah. Looks really like rugged and, and tired and like faith would never appear in public looking like the character of Margaret Dutton looks, no. but faith appears to be all in on that. And I think that is I love really it. cool for the show, but I think it's cool to see where faith might go with that as like a professional. Should we get to listeners feedback and thoughts and theories? All the above. Are you ready, Billy? Yeah, I am ready. Go ahead. Okay. From Jared. He says, personally, I am starting to not dislike Walker as much. So perhaps they are setting him up to head south. I think the storyline ends up bigger in the big picture than we currently see. Walker heading south means Walker heading to the Four Sixes Ranch, mm-hmm. which has been kind of a rumor kicked around for a while. The rumor is that Jefferson White, who's Jimmy, and Ryan Bingham, who's Walker, are going to be sort of the linchpins of the Four Sixes Ranch spinoff. The only thing confirmed, though, is that the Four spinoff, the Four Sixes spinoff is happening. I did a lot of research trying to find sort of the nexus for this rumor that Jimmy and Walker are going to be a part of it. And really, it just seems to be a bit of an echo chamber with no no roots to it. So mm-hmm. I asked Jefferson White about that when we spoke, and he confirmed that that is the rumor. And that was all he would say. Oh, I was like, <laughs> and, oh, yeah, we get the tea. And no, he just no, confirmed he, our thoughts. <laughs> he kind of likes to pretend like he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know if he's going to be alive the next episode. He doesn't know what's going on with himself. It sounds a little disingenuous to me, but um, he wasn't spilling any sort of beans. But that's the rumor Dang and, it. and what he means by heading south. Lori from Camrose, Alberta says, I listened to the discussion about Tim McGraw's coat, and I don't think it was made of mammoth. I live in Alberta, Canada, and we have cold winters. In our local museum, there's an area about the 1800s. They have a sleigh that has a buffalo hide in it. Apparently, it was used to keep people warm during winter rides. The jacket in question looks to me like it's made out of buffalo fur. I will try to post a photo I found. She did post a photo, and it totally looks like the jacket that Tim McGraw was wearing. This is the one from episode one when they do that flashback sequence. Yes, where I... And he's wearing that jacket. Yes, where I was like, we don't know where his beard starts. The coat ends away. We don't know. It's so big. Yeah. I mean, you live in Texas, and and I think you you put that on your Christmas list. Oh, absolutely. As I sit here in a t-shirt because it's a balming 80 degrees in December. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Lori, for the... Good historical analysis there. It does look like a buffalo yeah. fur jacket. Uh, another sign of authenticity about the, the 1883 show. Yeah, we love it. Thanks, Lori. Okay, from YouTube now, 
This is my theory. Avery is coming back to be with Jimmy, and she's going to see how mature and tough he has grown at the Four Sixes Ranch. Mia will leave because Jimmy won't have any reason to rodeo because he realizes it's time to grow up. Which I kind of, I will say, I kind of touched on this theory as well in previous episodes, is my thought of, um, I just think the Four Sixes Ranch is really going to mature him. It does seem like some sort of love clash around Mm -hmm. Jimmy is coming. Uh, Avery, if you recall from season two before she split, it kind of seemed like they were building towards a little bit of a Jimmy and Avery love scene or sort of relationship there. But then she vanished and he moved on to Mia. Mm -hmm. Mia left the ranch, presumably to go down to the Four Sixes Ranch and find Jimmy. But now Jimmy's kicking it with (laughs) his new girl, Emily. Like, Jimmy, I mean, for, for a guy that never had a girlfriend in his life, he is suddenly swimming in ladies. He's like, a he could take a new girl out every night of the week. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't know if I agree that she's coming back for any reason to be with Jimmy because she professes her love to Casey. But in fairness to this person, uh, this comment was written before we knew that Avery had the hots for Casey. Right. Okay, from Sean, can somebody explain to me what Beth brings to the show? I never got why she is given so much respect. I find her obnoxious and rude. The only time she showed some heart was defending Monica from the shop from those shop owners. The show needs more rainwater and Casey. I do agree that the show needs more rainwater. He's been a really light character this season. Mm-hmm. And so too has anybody from Marco Equities. I thought Carolyn Warner was a really good character, and we haven't seen her. Uh, What's really interesting to me about so many of the comments from YouTube is they're about a couple of things. One of them is the the bunkhouse situation and the girls in the bunkhouse. People were really, really passionate about that. Most people believing that they shouldn't allow women in the bunkhouse. Or if they do, they should build like an all-female version of the bunkhouse, like a new building separate for the ladies. Don't really know that. That solves the problem, but that, that is what it is. Beth, obviously, is the show's most polarizing character, maybe even more so than Monica, what she brings to the show is action. Like, she is the character that puts things in motion. She sees ideas and emotions, and she turns them into developments or plans, not only for the ranch, but sort of in the larger picture. Like, she is the, she is like the coal furnace on the, the, the engine that is Yellowstone, the train that is Yellowstone. Um, she is tough to watch at times. My mom hates Beth. And I think a lot of women hate Beth. Yeah. But I think, too, a lot of women really love Beth and appreciate her independent spirit and her confidence. Yeah, I personally really like her. But like I said, I I wasn't I'm a little bit newer to the Yellowstone train, so I don't have all the past, you know, feelings of her. I'm more so seeing her now on season four. So I will put that disclaimer there. Yeah, I will say that people who maybe have followed since the first season might have, or that really remember those first few seasons, might have a harder time with her because she didn't have a lot of that heart during seasons one and two, especially. Right. Uh, That's only kind of a recent development where you've started to kind of um, attach yourselves to her a little bit emotionally. That's Billy Dukes, who is dealing with his own emotional attachment issues with Garrett. Thanks, BD. Episode 7 of Yellowstone is our second of three this week as we draw near to the end of Season 4 and the beginning of the first season of 1883, starring Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. 
We'll preview the show very soon and offer a full recap episode as soon as 1883 begins. I'm Addison Hager, and once again, that email to join the conversation is staff at tasteofcountry.com. Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone in 1883 podcast, is written by myself and Billy Dukes and produced by Billy Dukes. If you've not tapped follow, please do it now on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening, and please leave us a five-star rating if you've liked what you've been hearing. Dutton Rules is another great Town Square Media podcast. <laughs>